and welcome to episode one of Adoptee In Between. My name is Ruby and I am the host of this podcast. Now before I begin, I am sorry if I don't speak very fluently throughout the episode. I've never done any sort of podcast before, so please bear with. So anyways, in today's episode, I just wanted to talk about what it's like growing up as a Chinese adoptee in the UK and also talk a bit about my adoption story. So yeah, let's get right into it. So I was adopted from Hunan province, Yongzhou, and I was found by an elderly lady on the steps of an orphanage only two days old, which is what they think I was, but that was just like an estimate. So they say that I was wrapped in a red blanket, which If you don't know, red is considered a lucky colour in China. And then when I was 15 months old, um, on the 15th of August 2005, I was then adopted by a British couple and I was renamed Ruby because the orphanage gave me a Chinese name. And I think what happens is when you're adopted from China, they give you um, a Chinese name if you don't already have one from your birth parents. And then when you're adopted by your adoptive parents, they rename you what they want to rename you. But I actually have my um, Chinese name in my middle name, which is quite cool. Um, So anyways, I'm currently living in the UK and I've basically lived here my whole life. But where I live, I live in a definitely very predominant white area so growing up I was the only Chinese person in the whole of my primary school and I'd say my primary had about a hundred and something students something like that I'm not really sure I think it grew as I went through the years but I'm not really sure but anyways growing up um yeah so in the primary school I was basically the only Chinese person there and I remember because I was little I would never like consider myself as different from the other kids there I was like oh I'm one of them like we didn't really see race I guess at that age and I know now you're probably thinking oh my gosh you're obviously Chinese and they're white but um I guess I'm very lucky in terms that I never received any like really harsh racism during primary so I am thankful for that um but I know probably to other kids and people at the time they were probably thinking um why has she got white parents and she's Chinese so they could probably see the difference but me on the other hand I didn't I never really thought about being Chinese and then everyone else wasn't Chinese if you get what I mean so I just didn't really see a difference and I think the people at school, I think some of them didn't really see a difference, but some did, but they didn't really mind. I'm not really sure. So that's just um, primary. And then I do remember when I first kind of considered it was I was in year one or two and someone had these napkins and on the packet it had um, writing in Mandarin. And they came up to me and I were like, um, do you know what this says? And I remember thinking, oh, should I make something up so I don't look really stupid bear in mind I was like year one or two at the time and I ended up just saying oh I don't know sorry and then they were like oh okay and then after that I was just like um 
was I meant to be able to know that? So I guess that was kind of like the first sort of um, conscious thought I had of it. And then fast forward a little bit later that year, I think this was year three or four, we had um, a Christmas play and each year my primary school would have a Christmas play but they'd have like different versions of it. So that year they had around the world. So there was countries like China, America, Australia, so kind of like the different continents. And I remember at the time my friends were both put into the Chinese um, the act bit and I wanted to be in that and the school were like, no, you have to be an American. And I was like, no, I don't want to be <laughs> in the American group. And realising, looking back now, they probably did that because they didn't want to seem like racist. So I guess kind of stuff like that happened, but I wasn't really aware of it. But yeah, so stuff, just stuff like that happened. And I'm not really sure how I feel about it. I just remember not wanting to be put in the American group, but in the American group, but wanting to be with my friends in the Chinese group, but the school were like, no. And then I remember... Yeah, looking back, I think they just didn't want to be seen as racist. And I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't see them as racist if they had put me in that group. But I guess for them, they were like, um, we've got to be careful here. So that kind of happened, which is fine, I guess. So anyways, fast forward to secondary school or if you call it high school, whatever. Um, so in secondary school, um, I still wasn't really thinking about being different, I guess. And... This is where basically I realised it's like sudden reality hits you. So in secondary school, I never really had many friends. I had a few, which was nice, um, but I never had like loads of friends like the popular kids, and I was never like invited to parties and stuff like that. So I don't, I don't really mind anyway. So, but anyways, in um, secondary school. Um, the school I went to had a lot of international borders from, like, China, Hong Kong, America, Europe. It was pretty cool. But when I was, I think, year nine, um, I made friends with this girl from Beijing. And we got on well because we always used to, like, team up in sports. And that was pretty cool. And I remember saying to her, oh, yeah, I would love to learn Mandarin. And she, she was really nice because she was like, oh, yeah, Mandarin's a really beautiful language. So, yeah, I guess I didn't really see the difference then. And then fast forward to year 10, um, another boarder from Beijing came and she was like t the total opposite to the other one. And I remember like she, at first she was like friendly and we got on pretty well. And then as time went on, she started realising that I'm not like her in the sense that I don't speak Mandarin, I'm not culturally like her because obviously she's grown up in China all her life and I remember we started getting more distant and at the time I'd ask her stuff like oh what sort of food do you like or can you tell me a bit about music or just cultural stuff and she would always be a bit like oh no but even though she never said oh no um she always acted like oh you're not really Chinese and I remember I can't remember we had this conversation and I said, why don't you ever, like, speak to me? And she always said to me, oh, you wouldn't really understand because you're not Chinese, you're British. So I was always... That's when I started to realise I'm not really seen as Chinese, I'm seen as British. But then with 
British people, they see me as Chinese because obviously my face is Chinese. And I think that's kind of like where it just got confusing. And there are obviously cultural differences because I remember I said to her at the time, I said, uh, I said, um, oh, do you think I look Chinese or do you think I am? And she's like, um, well, you look more European Chinese, American Chinese. And I was like, right, okay. And then another time we did this photo shoot in art and she was just like, we took some photos, like portrait photos. And then she was just like, oh, my skin looks too dark. And I was like, oh. And then I think I showed her a picture of me and she's like, oh, it's nice, but your skin is a bit dark. And then that's also where like I suddenly realised like because in Asia um white skin is very beautiful is seen as very beautiful and then over here in the west being tanned is like that version of beautiful and then I mean, I said to oh you can't really say that but obviously the cultural difference and that's kind of like where I realised and secondary school was definitely hard because when I was year eight my mum died and that my world just collapsed. That was like really hard. Ooh, yeah. So that that was hard, and it hurt because then I had the realization that I lost my birth mum, and I also lost my adoptive mum. So that that was hard. Um, but I I got through it in the end. And with this whole COVID nineteen, and I know you're probably thinking, oh my goodness, shut up we know coronavirus it's on the news it's everywhere but i i don't know because just with this whole quarantine i've been thinking more about being adopted and the whole sort of thing about that and being growing up in like a predominantly white area because obviously they don't really see many like other people of color or people from different countries and other cultures it's not really very cultural um, whenever, like, I go out, I always get, like, people staring at me, and I know that, I know people have said to me, like, oh, just ignore them, or you shouldn't care, or don't assume stuff, and I know they could just be having a bad day, or think, oh, she's got a cool outfit, or I wonder where she's going, or whatever she's doing, or, you never know, and I know people don't always intend to be, seem racist, or whatever, but, I don't know, I just felt, I've just been feeling them, it more because this whole coronavirus and with the whole Trump, Trump, him, um, saying that it's the Kung Fu, Kung Flu virus, that doesn't help. So, I don't know, the ruler staring, it's kind of just been getting to me and I know I shouldn't let it get to me, but I guess in my mind, I'm thinking, I know I'm just assuming stuff, but I'm the only person that looks different here and I don't see them staring at the other people the white people and it's like oh it's, it's just I don't know it's just hard and yeah I hope I'm making sense because I kind of just went off on a tangent but going back to school and also with this whole corona stuff I've had a few incidents like um before the schools closed down I was walking through the school and no walking through the school site and some year nine boys were like joking and then they were talking about corona or something and then they looked one of them like looked at me and shouted oh coronavirus and I was like I was having a bad day anyway so I just looked behind me and shouted that coronavirus but they didn't hear me so I just carried on walking and it's just like uh and then another time 
some people in my year were t like talking, just joking about it. And then w when I walked past, they one of them just went, "Oh, isn't that right, Ruby?" And I'm just like, "Why?" I don't know. It's just, I guess it's kind of difficult. And I've been processing this whole being adopted thing, and yeah, I'm rem I'm like I don't know. I just feel like I'm reminded every day that I'm not. I don't look like my dad and it's just uh it's horrible I've lost two mums I just uh I don't, I don't know I just it can be hard I know um but yeah so so anyways um back to the whole growing up in a predominantly white area I've had like people come up to me so like once I was with my family out somewhere and this kind of like oldish guy was like following us and every time I looked behind me he was there and I was like okay so we kept walking and then he finally caught up to us when we stopped and then he sat and then he said oh I just wanted to say um I can speak like man I can speak Mandarin and oh where's she from and it was really awkward for all of us and I think in that moment I was like oh I wish the ground could just swallow me up and I don't want to be seen as Chinese but then to other people I am and it's just like kind of difficult and like another time I was at the supermarket and this middle-aged guy comes up with his trolley and I was with my dad at the time and he comes up and goes oh I'm from Hong no he goes oh I live I used to live in Hong Kong and he starts going on about that and then my dad being my dad and he is a bit of a big mouth let's say and he starts telling this guy about my adoption story and it's like oh that is private and I didn't say I didn't say at the time to my dad oh don't say because I was me being me is a bit quiet and didn't really say anything and I know um they could just be interested in not intending to be race seem racist or rude I don't really know um but it is kind of like pushing the boundaries going up to someone just because they're like foreign or they look different and then asking a load of personal questions like oh who are your parents or where are you from and da 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 and yeah I don't know it's just like sometimes I want to be seen as Chinese and sometimes I want to be seen as British it's difficult I don't know because with like um that girl at school when she was like oh you're not Chinese I, I kind of get what she means I'm not in a sense that I don't have the cult same cultural values, I can't speak the language, whereas I look Chinese, like, I am because I was born there, but I'm not because I'm British and I grew up in England and culturally I'm British, so it is hard, but I feel like, in my personal opinion, if you are, like, adopted from China, I think don't let other people like dictate and say tell you that you're this or you're that like in a sense like they're like oh you're british like you're whitewashed or or oh or like when other people say oh you're chinese you can't be british or they go oh you're pretending to be chinese or you're pretending to be white and it's like really uh it's it's hard because then you're like oh but my opinion you shouldn't let people tell you that you decide and you think maybe, oh, maybe today I feel like I feel more Chinese or today I feel more British or whatever. But that's just my opinion. And 
so yeah so anyways this is the first segment of my podcast I do hope you are enjoying this if you are still here and like thank you so much if you actually are still here but anyways we are going to have a little interlude and yeah I'll see you in the next segment Hey and welcome to the second segment. Now in this segment I'm going to be touching on the loss of culture, identity crisis, learning Mandarin and feeling awkward with my dad when out and about and also a little bit about the one child policy. So let's get right into it. So in terms of loss, when I think about being adopted I've lost a lot of things. I've lost my culture, I've lost my language, and one of the big things is I've lost my biological family. And I miss that, and I'm just going to be really honest, I really miss my culture, I miss my language, and what's even more crazy is, if my birth parents gave me a Chinese name, I, I don't know why this sounds really crazy, but I literally miss... I don't know, it sounds weird, I don't know how to say it, I'm just going to say it. I miss like being called my Chinese name because I guess if my birth parents kept me for a day or two before um, abandoning me then they would have called me my Chinese name I guess and I miss that and I know some of you may be thinking oh how on earth can you miss your culture and how on earth can you miss your language and being called your Chinese name. I get what you, I get what you, I get where you're coming from but when I say I miss it, I do miss it, like, the idea, like, I didn't choose to go and live in England, in England, I didn't choose to lose my language and my culture, and I definitely didn't choose to lose, losing my biological family, and I miss it, I miss them, and I know it's crazy to say that, because I've never even, like, really spoken to them, or really had time, at all, time to get to know them, and, Yeah, but I miss it. I miss them. I miss my culture. I miss my language. And it's just, it's always there in the back of my mind that I'm never going to have that. And it's like something I'm not really going to get back, I guess. And I know I can like learn about Chinese culture and I can learn Mandarin, which is is good because then I can one day go to China and communicate with people. But I mean, like growing up, I do miss that. And I know it still sounds crazy me going on about a load of stuff that I missed that I've never even experienced or had and it's like uh, I don't know it's just something I guess I need to learn to kind of live with so it's the loss and the grief and I remember it's just uh, I don't know I just it's kind of crazy and I think what's kind of what's kind of helped me with this whole sort of working out what being adopted and not like most other people my age I guess is I did come across a youtuber called the here and now um who's another Chinese British adoptee from the UK which is cool and I watched some of her videos and I I have talked to her before a bit on Instagram and she's really cool like I watched a few of her videos and it just kind of helped to know that I wasn't like the only person who felt the loss and just had the same sort of similar feelings to what I had and I remember in one of her videos she said that um, a newborn baby can recognise 
um, it's mum's voice and that kind of hit deep because it's like my mum and dad like gave me away and as a baby I was probably just I don't know I was probably like lying there and not being able to hear my mum and it's kind of like and they do say adoption is like a trauma and I don't really know much about that so don't quote me on anything please but yeah so it's like a loss I don't know I don't know anything about my family and me and it's it's just tricky like because I guess like some people I guess kind of assume I'm gonna be like my um adoptive parents but I guess I can get traits from them but I can't like genetically be like them and I'm gonna be my own person and I guess with adoption there is like a often a misconception about how adoptees should be like their adoptive parents but they're obviously going to be their own people because they're from a completely different background completely different family genetics and yeah so I guess that's kind of like the whole thing about loss you lose that you lose out on that and like when people or like like relatives when they um look at like family photos and they go oh yeah that's my mum and that's my granddad and that's my sister it's cool but I'm never going to have that. I'm never going to be able to go to people and be like, oh, so here's a picture of my real birth mum and dad and here's my uncle and cousin. I'm never going to have that. And I guess I've kind of learnt to kind of accept that in a way, but don't deny that feeling because just let it kind of be and kind of learn to be like, okay, this is me. This is what's going on and this is what I'm not gonna have but it's I don't know it's kind of like a it's a bit of a tricky sort of concept but I guess I'm never gonna get over the loss loss of culture language just everything like yeah I it's crazy and it's still kind of crazy to think that I could be living in China right now and be with my birth family it's ah it's just so many theories go through my head maybe one day I'll go back there that would be pretty cool and it would be really cool to have some other adoptees on this podcast maybe so that would be pretty cool and then the next one I wanted to touch on was identity crisis so often I'd say I'm, ha- I'm having like all these identity crises so like with like I look Chinese but I'm kind of not and it's it's so hard and the thing is I the I only like personally I only know one adoptee personally as in like I'm f- like friends with but yeah it's just it's crazy like I know I'm pretty sure um adoption was more big was bigger in like America Spain um I think Norway actually yeah Norway and um Actually, it was quite big in um, Holland. So, yeah, so I guess the UK, I guess, is, has, like, a smaller population of Chinese adoptees because I don't really know many at all adoptees from the UK. So, yeah, so that's kind of, like, the whole identity crisis. And it's, like, I feel like the only one. But I know there's others out there. And I guess that, that is also another reason why I made this podcast and with the whole identity crisis concept 
that's one of the reasons why I decided to call this podcast Adoptee in Between because it's like I'm in between two two worlds, two cultures and yeah, I I guess that's it. And then next thing I want to talk about was learning Mandarin. So at the beginning of year 11, so around the end of the summer holidays last year, I decided to pursue Mandarin because I literally had a moment where I was like, okay, I don't know my language because the um, boarders at school could all speak it and I was like kind of feeling left out. And I remember, uh, if you remember in the first segment, I was talking about that girl who kind of ended up being not very nice. Her, um, I remember I said to her, oh, can you, like, what were you saying? Like, but, and then I remember like once she said, oh, can't you just learn Mandarin? And I was like, yeah, but that will take a very long time. And she's like, well, it's not that hard. And she kind of, it was just awkward because she kind of just kind of laughed at me. And it was just one of those kind of awkward moments. I felt a bit ashamed I couldn't speak the language. And I, and I think that's where I get kind of irritated. Like, I should be able to speak this language. I should know this culture, but I really don't. And that's something that kind of hit so I decided to pursue Mandarin lessons and um, they've been going well actually. Um, my Mandarin teachers are really, really cool. Um, so learning Mandarin is pretty cool because I remember one time I went and she was, um, I don't know what happened, but she was um, slightly late for the lesson and because um, she lived with, she lived with her family um the gra- the granddad came in because I was waiting and he came and started speaking to me in Mandarin and I had no idea what he was saying and then the daughter was like oh do you know what he's saying and I was like oh no and then it was kind of awkward and I don't know I just felt very ashamed that there were other chi- that, that I could not communicate with the other Chinese people around me and it's just oh it's just it's just not fun and I remember I got like quite annoyed with my dad and I said oh why didn't you get me to learn Mandarin when I was like four or whenever I could speak and my dad said oh well you didn't really want to and I said well you could have got me to or forced me to and said to me oh Ruby this will be useful when you're older but no because I was little and well not didn't have a very good judgment I decided not to pursue Mandarin when I was younger, which I really regret. And but I guess I can't turn back the clock, so I've got to work with what I have now. Um, so I'm learning Mandarin still. At the moment, I'm on like summer holiday break, and we're not doing lessons at the moment. So my teachers set me homework, which is cool. But anyways, that's kind of the whole Mandarin thing. And then going on to the next thing the one child policy so if I connect the two like with the whole loss of culture and one child policy what's crazy to think is I could be living a totally different life if China didn't have the one child policy and so if you don't know what the one child policy is it is a law that China passed down um in 1979 where couples could only have one child because their population was growing really quickly and the government didn't want that and the other thing was they wanted more boys because in 
China, the boys then grow up and then they look after the parents when the parents get old and like unable to look after themselves and maybe the grandparents as well if they're still alive, I'm not really sure. And then, yeah, so what's crazy about that is the thing that I could have been still living in China had the one-child policy not happened and that's kind of like crazy to think and also crazy to think that I could have still been living in China if I was a boy and because I was a girl I was given away or whatever you want to call it given away abandoned left and that is just it's kind of mind-boggling I don't know and then in 2013 they lifted the one child policy and made it a two child policy uh, only with one condition that the parents that either one of the parents or both of the parents were one child were one ch child themselves as in the parents were only children themselves and then in 2015 they um gave the right for all couples to have um two children so that was in 2015 and then so that's kind of where it is i think at the moment i don't really know much about it so i'll probably do some more research on that um and another thing i did learn was i was listening yesterday i think to another adoptees podcast um grace tomlinson and she is the host of the podcast made in china ish and that was really interesting to listen to because she was say, talking about the um, One Child Nation documentary which is on Amazon Prime and how they actually um, traffic, yeah, how they, um, some of the, um, what was it, they like, they trafficked some of the babies and the traffickers would like have all these babies and like sell them to the orphanage and get money in return and that is kind of crazy to think that that could have happened but I guess they're not going to tell us the full story because I'm my dad said they were quite brief in the orphanage they didn't really say much so I, that's kind of crazy to think of so but with the whole documentary I'm not really sure if I am ready to watch it because I've read about it and I remember, and like when Grace was talking about the whole trafficking thing and stuff, I don't know, I, I'm not sure if I'm ready, because do bear in mind, I'm only 16, so I don't know, I could, but I don't think I'm just re ready yet, so maybe when I'm a bit older, and then the last thing I wanted to talk about was um, feeling awkward with my dad when out and about, so when I say feeling awkward, like, so basically when I went to... My dad and I went to a Chinese restaurant the other day and I don't know, I always feel very awkward because I, I'm going to a restaurant that's Chinese, so kind of like my culture, but I'm with my dad and it's kind of really awkward because there's like this, they, I don't know, maybe they just see this, this white man with this Chinese girl and it's like, I don't know, they could like make it a little whatever stories in their head and I don't know because like, Often when we're out and about, people often really stare when I'm walking, like, with my dad. And I don't know. I don't know if they think we're, like, a couple. Because that would just be really weird. No. But I don't know what people are assuming or whatever. But it's kind of always a bit awkward, I'd say. And, yeah, it's just very awkward. Because usually when walking out and about, I just... I usually just link arms with my dad. But... That's literally it, but 
I don't know, it's just probably just a bit awkward and people stare. And that's probably another reason why the staring does get to me. Yes, yeah, so anyways, that is pretty much all I wanted to talk about today in this first podcast episode. So if you are still listening right now, um, I really, really appreciate it. And I really hope you enjoyed. And hopefully there will be, I'll find something to talk about for episode two. And if you would like to talk with me on this podcast, do get in touch Um for on the Instagram which is adoptee underscore in between and you can just direct message me there and I will respond and yeah if you have any inquiries to be on here or share your story or share your opinions on things or talk about something feel free to just message me there so yeah I hope you enjoyed this and I hope you all stay safe and have a good rest of your morning afternoon or evening or whatever and I will be seeing you I guess in the next one bye